Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Hello, and welcome back to Out With Dan. Today, I'm so excited to talk to Lynn's Amir, is that right? Oh, yay, I got it right about rainbow parenting. Welcome, Lens. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, I am so excited. This book is so delicious. I'm going to show the cover again. It's called Rainbow Parenting. Um, how did you come to write this book? Yeah, so the... Hmm. The long story of it all <laughs> is that I started a web series in 2016 called Queer Kid Stuff, where I make LGBTQ plus uh, short form videos that are aimed at preschoolers, basically. Um, it's kind of like Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers meets Queer Theory 101 <laughs> with like Love a teddy it. bear and a ukulele. Um, so I started doing that in 2016, kind of based on my work that I had been coming out of undergrad doing queer and trans representation in uh, theater for young audiences. So that's kind of my background. Um, Queer kid stuff happened. People really liked it. People, I think, still like it. And so that's been a thing. But throughout all of my work making queer stuff for kids, I've always come up against gatekeepers, right? People who sure. don't want young people to access queer and trans education, information, um, possibility models, right? So I gave a TED Talk in 2019 about all of my work and why I do it, the importance of talking to kids about queer, about gender and sexuality. And I thought, hmm people seem to be interested in this. I wonder if I could write a book for adults about this kind of like philosophy. Um, yeah, of like how I kind of approach this and why I think it's important and just kind of like dump my brain onto a page <laughs> to get more gatekeepers on board because every time it, with queer kid stuff, with my work in TV film, like I come up against these obstacles and uh, how much easier is it to, to instead of answering every individual email, you know, confronting everyone's biases, then I can just hand them a book that tells them exactly what's going on, how to strip down those stigmas and biases, and then how to implement queer and gender affirming practices around young people. So, uh, yeah, that's the long story. <laughs> <laughs> I like the long story. You know, one of the things that I found in this is you do such a wonderful job in not beating me over the head. You give it to us, uh, the reader, you give it to us gently and lovingly, and you explain the whys of things. And I think mm -hmm. that's so important, at least for me as a reader and someone who's trying to broaden my understanding of our responsibility. Mm. Part of what I know, you know, at the beginning of the book, you talk about when a, a child is an infant. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's so important to start. I mean, you talk about how parents often read to their children when they're in the womb and how important it is as we go ahead. Um, so is that one of the reasons why you do like your queer kid stuff on YouTube? Uh I, that might've been a convoluted question. So sorry yeah, about can, that. Do you mind, so, uh, yeah. do you mind me phrasing? <laughs> well, I mean, how important is it to start from tomb the or womb to tomb the entire life 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, my kind of like approach to it is that it's never too early because you can always be implementing queer and gender affirming practices around a child that are environmental. I am not expecting an infant to be able to tell you their pronouns. I'm not expecting a two-year-old to understand the intricacies of the gender spectrum and, um, you know, different sexuality labels. Like that's just like not developmentally relevant for that, those age groups. But what you can be doing is creating a world around them that they can grow up in where there are possibility models for them to grow up to be queer, for them to grow up to be trans, for them to grow up to be non-binary. Because right now, our society, the world that we live in, assumes that every child will grow up to be straight and cisgender with very few yes. exceptions. And that assumption is why we have to come out in the first place. We discover something about ourselves that disrupts that assumption. And then you have to make sure everybody else has their assumption disrupted about you so that you can be your authentic self with them. So, I mean, I'm a person who hates coming out <laughs> because it's <laughs> an uncomfortable experience having to yes. disrupt someone's assumption about who you are and their perception of you. And I think that if we can create an environment for kids where they never have to disrupt that assumption because queerness and transness has always been a possibility for their life, I think that it'll really be an antidote to the horrific statistics on LGBTQ plus mental health and suicide rates and houseless rates and disproportionately affecting black and brown and indigenous folks. And I, yeah, I'm really hoping that the book can be positioned as a solution to a lot of yes. the big problems we're having right now. Yes. And I think that word solution is exactly what I got from the book. There oh, again, it's it's not saying you can't do. I patience has to come into this as well. You know, yes. we're we're trying to educate people, and we can't educate people if we beat them over the head with a baseball bat mm -hmm. because then they close their ears. So what you've created is a very inclusive environment for us to understand that we have a responsibility to younger people that we give them inclusivity, let them make their decisions. Something I want to talk about a couple of simple things in the book, yeah. which I found to be so enlightening. And it's just one of those things that's so easy. Like I purposely wore a green shirt today. So I think a lot of times I hear people say, well, is it a boy or a girl when they're buying a gift? Because they're so fixated on pink or blue. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with green or yellow or black or whatever. Talk about things like materials and just... Mm -hmm know clothing small things but make such a great difference yeah so this is like the these are kind of like the practical parts because so a lot of the book is very theory based it's mm -hmm. like kind of a parenting book <laughs> it's really kind of like the most accessible queer theory you could possibly pick up um so that literally anyone can understand it including your infants and two-year-olds at the developmentally appropriate level where i'm talking about in the book um but i think uh yeah, so I get into, outside of that theory, I kind of get into ways that you can implement this in your day-to-day -day life in like everyday interactions. And part of that is like, how do we approach a clothing store with a young person in our life? Because clothing and clothing stores, especially kids' clothing, so, so gendered. I mean, literally you look up and there's the boy 
aisle and the girl aisle. Like genders literally being forced in a specific way in front of you. And so what I kind of say is that like in the book is that clothing doesn't inherently have a gender. Clothing is its objects. This is woven fabric and that has centuries of history attached to it. The Nobody wore pants until people started wearing them in China to protect their legs for riding horses. And like that had zero to do with gender. And it's just become this cultural social thing, the social construct that tells us that we've all made this up this we've made up a rule and all agreed that it's true but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's inherently true right we can change that rule we because we made it up in the first place right so what i'm saying in kind of like your relationship with a child and bringing them to a clothing store to shop for clothes tell them to run free <laughs> go around the go around the store and pick out the things that make them feel good that bring them joy to quote marie kondo right um what sparks joy in that in that clothing store like that's so much more important than like the label of boy on top of like an aisle of clothing like i care so much more about like you know, a kid finding the right spaceship shirt, then like whether or not it's in the boys aisle or the girls aisle, because it's just a piece of clothing. And if it makes them happy, like that's more important. And that's how they can experiment and understand how they want to express themselves to the world, which is, which is a part of their gender. And like, as they're forming and understanding that for themselves. So yeah, ignore the clothes aisles. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. I mean, and it's also it's something I thought of when reading this book. This will date me, but there is or was a deodorant called Secret. And the little tagline used to be strong enough for a man, but made for a woman. Mm -hmm. And I always used to think growing up, well, if it's strong enough for a man, why doesn't a man use it? <laughs> it, it is an inanimate object. It's deodorant. Yeah. It, but we live in a society that makes money on yes on figuring out is it a boy, is it a girl? How do we fit this product to make more money? Yeah, that is something you talk about in the book, and something I totally agree with. We live in a capitalist society. Yep, and they're looking to make money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how. Yeah, I talk a bit about capitalism kind of toward in the, the later sections of the book. Um, I, I kind of think about the book as um, learning to swim a little bit. Um, the beginning, we're, you know, getting our toes wet. We're kind of getting used to the water, slowly making our way in, having some like uncomfortable spots. But we get through it, we push past, and then we're like eventually in the deep end without even realizing it. And so the capitalism parts are a little bit more of the deep end section of the book. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all gender is, is such a marketing ploy. Um, and it's, uh, it's something we need to grow our essential like media literacy around essentially. That's what it kind of comes down to of like being able to recognize like what is capitalism using to manipulate us and how can we understand that that is capitalism. That's not like necessarily reality. Um, so be, because capitalism through marketing tries to create realities for us, which cool. is how they sell things. Um, but yeah, I could go down a whole rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I, you know, because it's important that it, it it is in the book and it mm -hmm. is an important conversation, but it is just simply one of the conversations. Yes. I mean, one of the things early in the book that I have seen a rise of in the 
past few years mm-hmm. are gender reveal parties. And oh yeah. I am every time I see someone's having one and I have lots of friends that have had them, I understand their desire, but I keep thinking to myself, this child has not formed. This child doesn't know their gender yet. And yet we're already making a party and forcing gender on an unborn child. And I feel like it is something that over the long run is going to be a very bad thing because the child has a psyche that needs to develop to figure out who they are. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, <laughs> sorry. Cause it's just, it is one of the things that I saw in your book. Cause I've also been reading other books similar and I had not seen it addressed. And it is something that I'm like, this is important. I mean, we ask children what they want to be when they grow up. They don't know early on. Give some yeah. ideas of what to say instead of what do you want to be when you grow up when they're four? What are some things that you might do differently? Yeah, um, I think, again, in this kind of like anti-capitalist section of the book, um, I, I think what I'm kind of asking is like, why should a child dream of labor, right? And like that comes from philosophies around like um, the Nap Ministry, which is a fantastic um, social media account and lots of kind of like abolitionist uh, uh, philosophies. That's kind of like a lot of where that sort of comes from and and labor right movements. And I mean, Marx was a labor uh, union guy <laughs> and he's the, a, you know, the anti-capitalist poster child. Um, and I think that the question I would love to hear people ask from children instead of what do you want to be? What what kind of career? What kind of worker do you want to be? How, why is that interesting? I want to know what makes a child happy. What is something that yeah, makes you happy, gives you joy. And I mean, I want to know about that, about other grownups too. Like I'm, I I talk so much about my work because I really believe in my work and I think it's really important, but like, I'm not only my work. I am a full human outside of my profession, especially as a person who's like a queer professional and we're, you know, talking during pride month, which is like the busiest time of the year for me. But you know, it's always tough because I'm like, I, me and my work exist outside of the month of June. And like, it would be really nice to have a sustainable business model that doesn't just rely on um, events that I get to do during the month of June. So uh, if you're listening to this, hire me, not during (laughs) June. That would be nice. Um, But uh, yeah, I think, uh, oh my gosh, I lost my train of thought. Um, But yeah, so as a person who is someone outside of my profession too, I love to cook. I love to paint. I have two dogs. (laughs) There's so much more about my life and about a child's life than career. And while that's an important part of our lives, it's not who we are. I think the generation before me was so intent on getting your 30 years in so you could retire. Mm -hmm. And that was something that drove that generation. And it drives my generation as well, because Mm -hmm. we haven't broken out of the mold. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people need to know that you don't have to have the same job for 30 years. You can do a job for five weeks and change careers. Yeah. We're never too old unless we think we're too old to change. I mean, it's, that's the whole beauty of also discovering who we are. We don't, we're not born with 
a, a, a gender that we're sure of. We learn those things. We are who we are when we are born, but how we express ourselves comes with aging, maturing, and discovering. I mean, Mm-hmm. Discovering is so important for children. They need to know that there is an entire world out there that they can discover. And it isn't always work. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if we want to get existential about it, like, isn't the journey of life all about self-discovery and like understanding who you are in relationship to the world? And I mean, and and I think right now the vision of what that is is too narrow and it's causing a lot of problems. And I think like if we can open that up for the next generations, I think that everybody's going to be a lot happier. (laughs) Totally agree. I totally agree. That's why rainbow parenting is so important to be out in the world. Congratulations. Thank you. It's been really, really lovely. Oh, I'm so excited about it. Do you have social media or a website you'd like to share? Yeah, yeah. You can find me at Linz Amer, L-I-N-D-Z-A-M-E-R. I'm on, I'm mostly on Instagram and TikTok now. I'm, 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 on, I'm on Twitter if you're still on there. <laughs> um, but you can find me mostly on TikTok and Instagram. And then if you want to follow Queer Kid Stuff, it's at Queer Kid Stuff, just one kid. Um, and we have a YouTube channel. You can also check out QueerKidStuff.com. Buy the book, please. And uh Yeah, I'll see everybody on the internet. I love that. Again, the book is Rainbow Parenting. Lens, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Dan. Perfect. Hang on for me just a second. Yeah. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out With Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com on Twitter at OutWithDan, and on Instagram and Facebook at GoOutWithDan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out With Dan.